Well, how's this? A listener says, Dan, I'm pretty sure I'm insane. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, I hope you're not insane, but if you're restless, if you think there's more out there for you, hey, stick around. We're going to be talking about how to move away from those negative emotions and how to live, as our friend Ken Davis says, fully alive. That's what we want to do. Actually, there's a old um, second century disciple, St. Arrhenius, who said, the glory of God is man fully alive. So how do you do that? How do you move into being fully alive? This is a great time of year. You got to be enjoying what's going on, including your work. We just came out of a holiday weekend. This has been a short week, so hopefully you've been able to uh, accomplish a lot this week. Well, here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, currently I feel empty, bored, not fulfilled, and tired. At 50 years old, I know I was created for more. And then uh, <laughs> what I let in with, I'm pretty sure I'm insane. The only problem is that the fear I'm not worthy. I'm going to look stupid. That side takes up about 95% of my brain. Somebody wants to know, is there any good information on how to network with other people for business connections? Sure. Uh, Dan, I'm working on a seminar about disaster preparedness that will be free. How can I get businesses in this space to sponsor it? So we'll talk about those and more. Got some great resources for you today, as always. One of those is six tips to a successful day through a positive attitude. So if you go to 48days.com slash attitude, you'll find that resource. Six tips to a successful day through a positive attitude. Now, our quotation today comes from D.L. Moody, theologian. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. So we're going to kind of frame our discussion about fear in that way. Now, I got some good news tips for you here. I'll go through those. Got a couple of those I want to share, just exciting things. And then we'll get right into our questions from you, the listeners. This clever little school has been requiring students to pay for tuition with plastic waste instead of money. Rather than making children scrounge up tuition money for an education, this innovative new school in India has been asking their pupils to pay for their classes with plastic waste. Every week, students attending the Ashkar school are required to line up and pay for their classes using grocery bags filled with at least 25 pieces of plastic waste that they collected from around their homes and communities. Now, there's a married couple who's responsible for starting this little school. They were inspired to launch the initiative after they witnessed their students being forced to endure the acrid smell of burning plastic that was actually wafted into their classrooms. That's because a lot of the waste there in India, like that, including plastic, is just burned to get rid of it. So instead of endangering the atmosphere and health of the students, the plastic is being collected and recycled at the school's own recycling center. So the kids have to pay their tuition by bringing bags of plastic trash. And I love this idea. And then the older students can work part-time jobs at the recycling center as an additional source of income. 
That school, according to Forbes magazine, now hosts over 100 students between the ages of 4 and 15. And now they're working through the Ashar Foundation to open up another 100 schools over the course of the next five years. Well, a great innovative way to solve a problem and give an opportunity to kids and make them feel like they have some skin in the game. Just a lot of great components of that story. Now, here's another one about a school. LeBron James, we all know, the great basketball player, opened a school for the district's most hopeless students. This is up in Northern Ohio. And their latest test scores are astonishing. All the students at this experimental Ohio school had been declared irredeemable because of their behavior issues or social circumstances. But the latest test scores showed that they just needed a little bit of love. This is called the I Promise School, opened in Akron in July of 2018, so almost a year now, currently serves 240 students, all of whom are in the third or fourth grade, though the disadvantaged students had previously experienced some of the lowest grades and test scores in the district. They are now breaking records. So in just six months of classes, 90% of their pupils have outpaced their fellow district students with their math and reading goals. And according to the New York Times, the students' test scores increased at a higher rate than 99 out of 100 schools nationally. Now, this, you know, LeBron James, I mean, say what you want. I mean, he makes a lot of money. He's paid a lot of money. But he's doing a lot of good things. This This is a great example of using your influence and your wealth to do something creative and good. So now they're looking to see how can they replicate this? How can they do more of these I promise schools? Now you can check it out. There's information about specific things that they're doing there. It's not just a matter of loving on these kids, but the program does involve a lot of that, believing that these kids have potential, even when others have titled them irredeemable. Boy, how would you like to have that label put on you? Irredeemable as a little kid. Wow. Well, here's one more story. This, I just like this because uh, we're a family of uh, bikers. Uh, just went to a BMX race this last weekend, Memorial Day weekend. We went, um, Joanna and I, with our daughter Ashley and her family, went to the BMX Nationals that were held here in Nashville at Dixieland Raceway. Anyway, brought back so many memories of when we were heavily involved in BMX racing back when it was getting its start years and years ago. I raced personally, held the number one plate in the state of Kentucky for the uh, 35 and over category for three years running. Our sons, Kevin and Jared, both were number one in their age categories as well. But anyway, uh, love biking. This is a biking story. There's an epic new trail that will allow cyclists and hikers to travel 3,700 miles across America from coast to coast. So this is, this is rails to trails. This is where they take a lot of old railroad tracks that are not being used and convert those into bicycle trails. So they're going to have, you're going to be able to ride from the state of Washington to Washington, D.C., 3,700 miles on bike trails. I think that's astounding. Now, I, I like biking, but I do not like fighting with cars. There's too many horror stories. I don't like having to ride on narrow shoulders. But wow, 3,700 miles? I mean, I'd be up for doing 
a couple hundred miles somewhere. I'll check it out, see where it, well, it runs pretty far north. It runs up through Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and goes on across Nebraska, Colorado. Um, so it'd be pretty far north, but it'd be worth the trip to go spend some time, a couple days riding on trails like that. It's a Rails to Trails Conservancy. I actually went in, I looked at the site and donated 50 bucks because they're looking for donations to complete this project. So I made a little donation, going to get a cool t-shirt as a response and then ongoing request, I'm sure. But just a fun thing to watch and something I think it's positive that's being done to turn old unused railroad tracks into something positive like that. Well, let's go into some questions. Now, I posted in the 48 Days Eagles community last Friday, I put in there, I said, it's Friday. If working a full-time job leaves you feeling like you're only living part-time, is it possible you're ready for a change? What do you want your life to look like one year from today? So I frequently put up questions like that and just have people respond. I'm just going to share a couple of answers here and then we'll go on. But David says, that's exactly how I feel. However, I've been, again, the, the question was, if working a full-time job leaves you feeling like you're only living part-time, is it possible you're ready for a change? And David says, that's exactly how I feel. However, I've been on the job for almost 30 years. I'm in a six-figure salary. I want to leave, but I'm trying to build up my side hustle. So I've got to have patience. The bills need to be paid, but I want out. Now that, you know, I'm sure a lot of you just raised your hand at that. You're feeling the same way as David. You're in a good job, making a lot of money, you really want out, you know, how do you do that? Well, it just comes from having an intentional plan and acting on that. You hear us talk a lot about people starting ideas on the side. And my encouragement is get your side idea up and running using 15 hours a week, really strategically, and get it up to where you're generating 50% of your, your current income. At that point, seeing the trends you ought to be able to have confidence that you could close the gap of the other 50% of your income if you had the rest of your time that you're now devoting to your normal job. Now, this is not about getting everybody out of working normal jobs and turning them into entrepreneurs. That's, that's not my desire at all. But if you do have that desire and feel trapped, feel locked into something that's not fulfilling that you really want to leave, then create a plan to do that. Now, that being said, are there people who will work their entire careers in traditional jobs and retire and be happy with that plan? Sure. And I commend them on that. I mean, there's certainly people where I recommend that, that they do work in a traditional job, that they are part of a team. Don't try to go out on your own. There are certain personal characteristics that make you a good candidate for either one of those scenarios. So know yourself well, but David, if you want to, if you really want to leave, and I know you do, wow, then just let's figure something out where you can start generating income on the side. And the fact that you're making $100,000, I mean, that's, that don't assume that if you do something on your own, you're going to have to cut your income dramatically. Now, for one thing, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars and working in a job because of the tax structure that crucifies you in that, in that employment model, you could probably move into something on your own, make $80,000 and still have an equal lifestyle. 
because you're going to save dramatically in taxes. You can live out of the business that you do in a lot of ways. And a lot of times you can be better off, even if your income is reduced significantly. But the thing is, keep in mind, if a company is paying you, you need to be generating three to five times the amount of income that they're paying you. So, you know, nobody pays you $40,000 if you're generating $45,000 in revenue for the company. That would be a really risky, a really poor business model. If they're paying you $40,000, your efforts to the company ought to be generating $120,000 at least or more. So it makes sense that if you go out on your own and do the same kind of work, you ought to be able to work fewer hours and make more money. Well, hey, I love talking about that kind of model. A lot of you are asking questions in that space. Got a lot of conversation, a lot of buzz going on in the Eagles community where people are making those transitions, lots and lots of them. This comes from Doug, who responded to the same question, that one about working full-time but feeling like you're living part-time. Doug says, I'm currently working a job because I have to, after being self-employed, owning a business for about seven years from 2011 to 2017. Currently, I feel empty, bored, not fulfilled, and tired. At 50 years old, I know I was created for more. I'm in the 48 Days Eagles because of the community encouragement to find the work I love, which for me is being an entrepreneur. By May of 2020, I want to be at least doing something again that is at the level of my income, which is not found in a job and in serving others and being fulfilled at the same time. Thank you, Dan, for all you do here with the 48 Days Eagles. Well, golly, this is a, a, a great, again, a great scenario. And the fact that you were an entrepreneur and now you're working for a company again, hey, there's no shame in that. I mean, that should be a seamless move back and forth. You still can find what it is that fits you best. I mean, that's the goal here. It's not to have a cookie cutter plan. It's to find what fits you best. And sometimes experimenting on both sides will help you figure that out. And and I've had a lot of people that I've worked with who, who were employees. They decided to be entrepreneurs. And after three years of doing it said, wow. I'm tired of having to scramble so much just on the marketing and sales side to keep business flowing. I didn't know it was going to take 75% of my time to market my services. I wanted to just do the work. And those people are the, some that I encourage. Why don't you just go ahead and find a traditional job again? And that's a great move for a lot of people. But Doug, if you want to if you're committed to by May of 2020, be out on your own, I'm confident you can come up with another idea, even if the previous idea you had as an entrepreneur did not work out really well. My goodness, if I listed the, the things that I started that didn't succeed, I'd have a long list. But it's in doing those things that I became clear about what it is that I really want to do, where my passions and talents merged, and what I moved into doing the kind of things that I'm doing today. Well, some of you may be thinking this. I'll put a little twisted sister here. What other podcast do you hear Twisted Sister on? Hey, give me a chance to grab a drink of water there as well. All right. Well, if you're not going to take it anymore, figure out a plan to move on. Now, this question comes from Mike. 
Hey, Dan, this is Mike. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm insane. The thoughts that go on in my head are so contradictory that I must have a split personality. The only problem is that the fear, I'm not worthy, I'm going to look stupid side, takes up about 95% of my brain. Is fear, now this is his question, is fear a learned emotion or do some of us just come by it naturally? I have a black belt in fear and I can defeat any positive idea or emotion in seconds with just one thought. Boy, that's a pretty powerful statement. Now, Mike says, I've got a couple of really good ideas, I think. I'm pretty good at expressing myself in writing, but the tech stuff is in my zone of incompetence. However, if a normal person were to pursue my ideas, I'm pretty sure it would work. I feel like I've got a 500-pound gorilla on my back, really. When I try to act on anything, it shuts me down, and instead of doing a little something, I do nothing. I've been a 48 Days Eagles member for a couple of years now, and I've been able to get information and give some Give some too, and I truly love this group. <laughs> if you're still reading and haven't moved on, Dan, how can I get on track? I know I need a coach, and that would help, but I recently went through a divorce. My two daughters and I moved, uh, moved, I won't say where, and the job I've taken isn't paying what I need to survive. I know my ideas have merit, and if implemented, could help solve all my current problems, but this quicksand of fear is all the way up to my neck. Is there a way to hire a coach for a 30-minute session or to get at least some direction or maybe a kick in the butt? I don't mind investing in this for the long term, but it's almost financially impossible. Currently, I also know I have to have some skin in the game help. Well, Mike, you've, you've embedded so much meat in there and so many questions. I'm going to segment it out a little bit just because I know it'll speak to a lot of other people listening as well. Uh, you're so profound. Golly. Where's this, this this thing? Oh, yeah, I know my ideas have merit. And if implemented, could help solve all my current problems. But this quick stand of fear is all the way up to my neck. Whoa. Well, let's, let's, just, let's just jump in, uh, Mike, here to your question and um, kind of dissect it into some parts. Insane? Are you insane? I don't know. I looked it up. What does that really mean, it'd be insane? In a state of mind which prevents normal perception, behavior, or social interaction. So maybe you are insane. If you've got a state of mind that's got you so tied up in knots that it prevents normal perception, behavior, or social interaction. So let's just, let's just take that as a given. You're insane. All right. <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't walk out of that, but at least you identify your starting point. Now, there's a brand new book out. And if you're in the 48 Days Eagles, I'm going to recommend that you go back and listen. Just a couple weeks ago, I had Ruth Suka upon, and we talked about her brand new book, Do It Scared. She talked about her own crippling fear and the things that she's done to overcome that. But this book is just delightfully done. She identifies seven different patterns or fear types in there, including the procrastinator, the rule follower, the people pleaser, the outcast, the self-doubter, the excuse maker, the pessimist. And there's an assessment that you can do. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's a free assessment you can do that'll tell you which of those fears is strongest for you. It'll give you the symptoms and then what you can do about it. Now, mine, I mean, I was blown away by what I got because you know, I, I don't really acknowledge having a lot of fear. And I thought, well, you know, I'll take it anyway, just for kicks. And it came back as the outcast, meaning that 
I tend to keep people at arm's length distance. I don't let people in close because of my fear of rejection. Wow, it walked through some things. It kind of unpacked that. I said, you got to be kidding me. It's like getting slapped up the side of the head. You know, those V8 moments. Whoa, I don't see that in myself. But it really helped me see some things that are, are very, very true. So I'm working on the fear that affects me. And I'd encourage you to do that again. I'll put the link to that. Now, here's the very beginning of Ruth's book. I want to read just a couple sentences here. Fear is a funny thing. It's one of our most basic human instincts intended to protect us from all those dangers that might cause us harm and to jolt us to action when a threat becomes imminent. Our fear is designed to save us. And interestingly enough, a lack of fear is peril- in perilous situations could be a sign of mental illness. We're supposed to be scared. So there you go, Mike. You're, <laughs> you're insane like all of us. Because if we didn't have fear, we'd be in trouble. Not having fear is a sign of mental illness. And Ruth continues. Here, let me read one more sentence. And yet that same fear can also be an invisible chain that ties us down and keeps us stuck. Instead of keeping us safe, it paralyzes us and prevents us from moving forward, from taking risk or putting ourselves out there, from having the courage to follow our dreams and create a life we love. So the fact that you're experiencing some fear is not really abnormal at all. Now you got to figure out what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do? to deal with that. Brene Brown talks about fear and she says, you know, don't try to have a life where you are are totally absent, have no fear at all. That would be unrealistic. Know that it's going to be there, but it's like driving a car. You don't want fear in the driver's seat. Just put it in the back seat. Just know it's going to be there. And again, like Ruth talks about in her book, Do It Scared, it can protect you. It can protect you when you need to be protected. I mean, obviously, you know, you need to have fear if you're sticking your arm in a dark hole, you know, out in the woods where there might be a snake. You know, a little fear is a good thing. You know, certainly a lot of other situations like that. Now, let me unpack a a little bit more of your question here, and then I want to give you a, a couple more resources as well. You mentioned the fact now, one thing, you know, I'm really uh, sensitive to the, the, the fact that you said you went through a recent divorce. I mean, that alone can really be a blow to your self-image, your self-confidence. I don't know the details, but certainly I'm um, empathetic about that situation and, and know that, you know, with that having happened, that could be a real crippling factor as well in terms of your confidence in moving forward with something that may, you know, fear certainly can increase at times of those unexpected, unwelcome kind of changes like that. But you also say you wish you could afford a coach. And I'm going to jump on that a little bit and not knowing your financial situation, but just yesterday in our coaching mastery program, we were talking about a recent study where it was done by at Stanford university and they showed that two thirds of CEOs are not receiving coaching from sources outside their companies. All right. So two thirds are not receiving coaching from sources outside their companies. It's interesting that a third are, but here's what's really interesting. A hundred percent of the participants wish they were receiving coaching. Now that's a positive thing. I mean, I think we all ought to recognize our need for coaching. I can't imagine not being coached 
at any given time. I just signed up yesterday with a guy who's got, well, he's got a particular area of expertise. And rather than me trying to just learn that slowly, I signed up to have him coach me because I want to learn that unique area of expertise really, really quickly. So I'm more than happy to pay for a coach to help me do that. I've always done that. If I want to start, when I started blogging, I hired a coach. When I started podcasting, I hired a coach uh, in wanting to be able to speak in front of a group without losing my voice or going into vocal fry. I hired a speech coach that I've worked with over a long, long period of years now. Um, other, other kinds of coaching, you know, I'm in a coaching program that really looks at my business, helps me have eyes to see things that I am not able to see because I'm too close to it. So I, I'm a big believer in the process of coaching. Now I talk about the idea of investing three to 5% of your income back into personal development. I don't think you can expect to grow or change without having a budgeted amount of your income going back into personal development. But now what that means is if it's 3%, let's take 5%. Let's say that, you know, let's say that you're making $50,000 a year. Oh, we'll just take an average income, $50,000. I recommend you invest 5% of that back into yourself, your own personal development. Well, in that case, that'd be $2,500. So what are you going to do? You can go to a couple conferences. You can buy some books. You can invest in a course if you want to, or you can get personal coaching and you can get some great coaching for $2,500. So be careful about saying you can't afford it because what I observe for the most part is the same people who can't afford coaching go to the mall and buy a $150 handbag or they go to the movies and bowl $100 or they go out to eat three nights a week. You know, they may have a fancy phone or they pay 90 bucks a month to have internet access to watch sports. They go on exotic vacations and upgrade to first class when they fly, but they can't afford coaching. See, I think it's a matter of priorities. I mean, I, I paid for coaching when there were a whole lot of other things I would have liked to have had. But to me, the coaching was more important to keep me on the path that I wanted to be on. So I would rather drive an older car you know, live in a smaller house, whatever, even those major things like that, and be able to invest in coaching than to have those things that some people seem to think are just, you know, necessities. Well, and you also said, is there a way to hire a coach for a 30 minute session, or at least get some direction or maybe a kick in the butt? Well, I got a kick in the butt process in one of my coaching options. Because people were asking me for exactly that, man, can I just get your, bend your ear for, for 30 minutes? I have a process for that at this point. I'll put a link. I mean, it's right to my scheduling system and you'll see in there power session with Dan. It's a power session with Dan. It's 48 minutes for $500. Now I do a lot of those where somebody has a business idea and they want to run it by me. So it's 48 minutes. It started out with people asking if they could, you know, pay me $500 for just 30 minutes. I said, well, let's make it better than that. I'll do 48 minutes, do my kind of signature time frame, and make it for $500. So Mike, I'm going to send you that link, but I'm also going to, as a, you being a long-term member of the 40 days Eagles, I'm going to give you 50% off of that. Just so it'll be half of that. If you want to do that, man, I'd be thrilled to brainstorm with you. So anyway, that's just kind of a wrap up there 
of those issues that you're describing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of appealing that you think you're insane because when you're having ideas that other people are not having, a lot of people are going to think you're insane. So uh, don't be afraid of that. Uh, Be confident that thinking things that other people are not thinking is probably a healthy thing. In our family, we always had kind of as a general rule that if everybody else is doing it, we don't want to do it. If it's normal, it probably doesn't need to be done. We want to do things that other people are not doing be different in that way. Well, Doug says, is there any good information on how to network with other people for business connections? Is there, this is an area I am overcoming, seeing the need to network with people to grow a business. Thanks. Well, I think you're really right on track with that thinking, Doug. Um, It's hard to do this alone. It's hard to be successful in any area of life alone. If you want to be a better daddy, a better husband, better gardener in your yard, better neighbor, whatever, it takes other people to really help us be our best. So there are certainly the common kind of things. Join your local chamber of commerce, become a member of the Rotary Club or the Lions Club, you know, civic organizations like that. Get involved in BNI, Business Network International. I mean, every city has chapters on those. You can become a member. And what they look for is to have one person in a particular industry or profession. So then you can network with the other people that are in there. And I know people, my next door neighbors are really big proponents of BNI and how it's propelled them forward, giving them connections and other areas of expertise and also resources that they needed. So you can do that. And you can also do it online. I mean, that's essentially what we're doing in the 48 Days Eagles community is giving people a network so they can have those business connections. If you want an editor, boom, we got people lined up, ready to go. If you need somebody to do layout work, proofreading, ghostwriting, publishing, that's just in the writing area alone. We got people in all of those arenas that I can specifically say you need to connect with David, James, with William, whoever, you know, we got people lined up in those areas and that's true in pretty much anything. You need technology. If you want to know how to do Facebook ads, Greg Tosi is the best there is. He's in our, he's in the Eagles group. So we've got people that are resources. So look for communities like that where you can connect with people and there it, it can be where you don't have to you get on a plane and fly to a conference somewhere. Now, I do a lot of connecting for businesses because of the strategically chosen conferences that I go to. So for the last five years, I've gone to Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, put on by Michael Stelzner. Great conference. And there I know I'm going to meet people who are really, really good in what they're doing. So if it's blogging or podcasting or Instagram or Pinterest or whatever it is, I'm going to find people who are really, really good in that space and connect with them and meet them personally. People like Amy Porterfield, you know, with her Facebook expertise or John Lee Dumas with what he's done with podcasting or Cliff Ravenscraft with what he knows about podcasting equipment. I mean, those are people that I meet by going to carefully selected conferences like that. We've got coming up podcast movement in Orlando. That'll be in August, uh, put on by Jared Easley and Dan Franks. I mean, great conference. And again, I can connect with people and say, Hey, what are you doing in podcasting? You know, what are you doing to you know reward your audience for being listeners? What kind of equipment are you using at this point? Who do you use to host it? I mean, all those things, I get information on that because I go to those 
carefully selected conferences to make those business connections? Great question, Doug. Uh, Chip says, I like this question. Chip says, I'm working on a seminar about disaster preparedness that will be free and I want to get businesses in this space to sponsor it. Does anyone have experience doing this or know of any resources to help? I'm not sure how to price the sponsorship, how to promote the sponsors. I will have informational packets that could include sponsor info, but beyond that, I don't know. Any help would be appreciated. Well, I, I just happen to have information on that. And because of working with a young guy uh, several years ago in a very similar kind of situation as this, he was the local weatherman here in Nashville on channel four, I think it was. And he loved talking about the weather and helping people understand the weather and how to be prepared if a tornado was going to come and all that. Well, he wanted to move out and he has since left that position and begun become a real estate agent. He loves meteorology, but he also recognized and what I was working with him on was how taxing it was on his family life to be the local weatherman. The hours were just outrageous that he was supposed to be available to be on TV. And of course it included, you know, weekends, holidays, and whatever. If you're the weatherman, you need to be on call and be accessible multiple times throughout the day. So he has moved on to other things, but he loves the weather. He loves meteorology. He loves, you know, helping people understand that, talking about it. And he wanted to do a seminar and wondered how he should charge for people to come to the seminar. He knew that, you know, they wouldn't be willing to pay a whole lot. So, but gee, how can you make it work if you only charge 10 bucks or whatever? And I said, I think you're looking at the wrong place as your source of revenue. Rather than looking at the people who attend, who will expect to get that information for free. It's so readily available. I mean, when is the last time you ever paid for weather information? You can grab your phone, turn on the TV, the radio, whatever. You're going to get lots and lots of weather information totally free. But I said, who would like to have influence with the people that you can bring together and have in those seats? I said, let's just think about it for a minute. People who provide tornado shelters. I mean, we have a tornado shelter here at our house. When we were building a porch several years ago, rather than filling in a big area with gravel, which would be the normal thing to do, we purchased a fiberglass tornado shelter. I mean, it's, you could have 10 people in there comfortably. Um, well, comfortably, <laughs> I guess if you're not afraid of small spaces, it's pretty comfortable. There's certainly room for that and more in there, but we, we put that in. Well, this gentleman was going to be able to talk to people about that. So what about having a provider somebody who sells tornado shelters? What about the State Farm Insurance Agency? What about the Chevy truck dealership? So he started putting together a list like that of people who would potentially like to have influence over the people who would be attending his seminar. He went to 15 companies. It was really great the way he did it. He went back to his hometown rather than doing it here in Nashville where he didn't want to tarnish his reputation, went back to his hometown to try this idea. He went to 15 businesses, 12 of them said, absolutely we're in and wrote him checks on the spot. So he did his first seminar. He did at a church of Christ. It was no fee, but he was a well-known, you know, celebrity personality. And there were 141 people showed up. And he had $2,500 in his pocket from sponsors. 
who then got promotion. You know, as he was going through his slides, those sponsors would be shown on the screen. There may be something in a giveaway bag that every participant got that promoted them. So it was a very much a win-win for everybody involved. But that's the way that you do that kind of an event. That's the way that you can do that kind of you know, service. So a lot of times you may have an idea where you want to serve moms who are just getting off of welfare, as an example, where it would be kind of tough to have them pay to attend an event. Well, maybe you could get third-party sponsorships. And Brenda Bouchard talks about that. I actually went to a workshop. It was like a three-day workshop in San Francisco. This has been quite, boy, this has been some years ago. I just remember it now. I've got the materials here somewhere. But he talked about how he did that in uh, an event that he wanted to put on for high school seniors to teach them about the realities in the workplace and the opportunities in the workplace. But how are you going to get high school kids to, you know, to pay for a workshop like that? So he went to, golly, he first went to um, junior achievement. Man, I had to think about it, junior achievement. Because he thought, who else is trying to have influence in teaching teenagers, high school kids, you know, good business skills, junior achievement? So he went to them and said, how would you like to be the sponsor of this event that I'm going to do? And they said, sure, we'd love it. Now, they, were, they didn't pay anything for that. But then he had the credibility of a really reputable organization, long history, uh, that he could then take to other sponsors and say, look, they're going to be partners with me. So he then went to Disney and said, I'm going to have this event. How would you like to provide the facility for me? to do this event where this is going to be promoted to 3.8 million kids. We're going to have a lot of kids that are going to show up. Now, again, the 3.8 million kids, he didn't have any list, but junior achievement did. So he was going to borrow their credibility. So, and Disney said, well, sure. Golly, with that kind of reputation. Yeah, we'll, we'll provide the facility. Then he went to bank of America at the time and said, how would you like to be the sponsor, a primary sponsor for this event? We're going to have several hundred high school kids there. It's going to be held at Disney. And you know that if you get kids on board with your bank when they're high school students, they'll stay with you through college when they buy their first car, their first house. You'll have them forever if you treat them right. And he says, for only $250,000, you can be my primary event sponsor. They said, yeah, we want to do that. Now, think about how I stair-stepped that up. And a lot of times you can do that with some kind of an event. I mean, Giovanna Ellison is getting ready to put on her Thrive event down in Montgomery, Alabama in August. She has had amazing success at getting corporate sponsors to come on board so that everything is paid for before she ever gets dollar one from the attendees. I mean, what a cool way to set that up. Well, hey, I hope that's helpful. There are a lot of you who have ideas that may fit in that kind of category where you can do something creative like that to get it paid for rather than thinking you're stuck by just having to get participants to pay big bucks. Just creative thinking. Hey, that's what we do around here. You know what? I think I'm going to stop right there. That just feels like a stopping point. I spent a lot of time on that one question. I think I'm going to stop right there. Keep in mind, again, our our um, quotation for the day being Stuck our greatest fear should not be of failure but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter that comes from D.L. Moody quotation don't get stuck doing something that doesn't really matter 
You know, most of the people that I see that I work with in personal coaching are tolerating what they're doing. They're doing it just because it provides a paycheck. Well, that's a tough way to go through life. Now, are there going to be seasons when you have to do that? My goodness, when I was in graduate school, I working on my master's degree or my doctorate degrees. Sure, I did things that were not dream jobs. They weren't things that I was going to do, but they were reasonable vehicles to keep me moving toward what I ultimately wanted to do. And I didn't begrudge them. I knew it was temporary. But if you don't see light at the end of the tunnel, it can feel a lot different. I recognize that. So, hey, we don't want you to get stuck in a J-O-B. This song here, again, reminds us week after week. When I pull it up as the outro for us, don't get stuck in a J-O-B. I love hearing from people who, you know, I've had people who submitted families singing this song, little kids singing this song, playing the guitar. So it's a great reminder that we don't want to get stuck there. Well, keep in mind, these are real questions on love, going through your real questions. It's an honor for me to be part of your lives in that way. You can submit those questions at askdan at 48days.com. And the email is just simply askdan at 48days.com. Thanks for being part of this community. Thanks for the way that you encourage others. You're so generous. I see you all sharing ideas and resources with such open hands. It warms my heart every time. And thanks for being part of this community where we know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.